0: Many people have all kinds of ideas of what pastors are like and what they should be like. Some people have no clue what a pastor does, and most people don't understand their role in relationship with their pastor. Today, Pastor Joel will be explaining the role of the pastor as we continue our sermon series on discipleship. going to be someone who teaches and instructs and leads in righteousness, will speak against sin, come against that in somebody's life. Do you see how that works? So everybody individually has that same Holy Spirit. You have all the potential for it, but we don't do so well because God knows that we're like sheep and that's what he calls us is because we're sheep and we we can just go astray. We We need a shepherd who keeps us in line, who keeps us in order. We need a shepherd to help get us back on the path. We need a shepherd to lead us beside still waters and green pastures and to stand up for us and to promote us in the face of our enemy hello you know i'm talking about psalm 23 right and that's what the shepherd does and it says that ultimately outside of joel being shepherd guy is that i'm just the i'm just the assistant i'm the apprentice jesus christ is the shepherd no doubt about it but beyond that is he says I want you to be there. You're going to be skin on. You're going to be the arms that's going to wrap around somebody when they're hurting. You're going to be the one that's going to pray for somebody. You're going to be the one to give my counsel to them. That's what I choose to do is work through people. And we know that because he says we'll be his witnesses. Every one of us that we're supposed to be his witness. So let me ask you, how well do you know what the role of a shepherd or a pastor is? How well do you know what the role of a shepherd or a pastor is. Because sometimes I attack it from the wrong angle, I can tell you that. 13 plus years that I've been here and I, I can think about different times where I've tried all kinds of different ways to encourage and to inspire, to, to, to really see the church take off, to see us kind of rise up into that place. And, and I can say that sometimes I didn't do it right. So of that I can say, forgive me. I can, I'm, I'm more aware of my failures than anybody ever would point out to me. Because we all have that, that enemy who he's the, he's the negator. <laughs> you know what he does? He comes and he beats you to death. What's, what's he called? Yeah, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And so what he does is he accuses us day and night. And you know what he does? He gets us to accusing ourselves. And then he gets us to accusing other people. And pretty soon, we've grown real accustomed to and comfortable with accusation. Where if it's not coming at us, it's coming from us. Hello. So, how well do you know what the role of the shepherd or pastor is? How can I be a pastor if you don't really know what that means? So, you come to church because it's an institution. And you come to church because it's something everybody does. And you come to church because we need God in our lives. And you come to church to worship God. And you come to church to... Be inspired. And those are all true statements. But there's also some things that a pastor does, that a shepherd does. That we'd be better off if we would actually embrace the ministry of the shepherd. And sometimes we don't because we we put them at arm's length. Sometimes we don't want them that close to us. Sometimes we're angry with them or upset with them or offended by them. Sometimes we're not all impressed with them. Sometimes... We, we make it to where they have to jump through some hoops to gain our affection, our heart. Why would I want to follow them? And see, what happens is it's so far away from what God has for us. Because now he says today, when you hear my voice, harden not your hearts. And what happens is we've just got a little bit of a, a hard heart. It's not, it's, I don't think it's hard like plaster. It's hard like wax. It could be melted by the fire of, God. We just have to submit ourselves to that. Amen? So read with me if you would. It's in your bulletin there. If you look, it's Ephesians four, nine to thirteen. Everybody open to the bulletin? For those who have it. It's it's true, is it not? Go ahead, read it with me. That the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of the earth. And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient. And graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. You know, I think about that passage and I think, Paige, what grade are you in? Are you freshman, sophomore, sophomore? In a few years, you're going to graduate and there'll be some sense of achievement on your part and on mom and dad's part because the, <laughs> we made it. Um, but then there's also this sense of where you're going after and what you're going to do. And some year, if you choose college and you go on to college, that when you walk that aisle and you get your college degree, that whatever that degree is in, there'll be another sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. Mom and dad will once again say, wow, we made it and she did it. And you'll, have, you'll feel good about what you've done. And that's, that's exactly true. And that's what all of us have is we have this mission with little children is that we're supposed to be training them up and we're supposed to be grooming them so that they can go out into the world and they can make an impact and a difference and they can, they can actually reflect us good. We want them, to, we want them to, to do good by us, don't we? So we don't want them to, to slander us. We don't want them to, to create nightmares for us. We want them to be, hey, you got great kids. We love that kind of praise. Well, guess what? That's the way God is. And do you know what else? That's the way a pastor is. See, a pastor's heart is, is really part of the job satisfaction that a pastor gets is seeing you walk in victory. It's seeing you come to the point where you've overcome obstacles. It's seeing you come to the place where you rise above whatever it is that, that's beaten you down, whatever it is that's meant to try to oppress you and keep you from ever achieving that, to see you overcome all these different things in life. And then what happens is I get to celebrate with you. In a little bit, I'm going to go through some things about, about that. We want our kids to, to be fully alive and to go out there and be successful. And that's what the pastor has for the church. That's what God has for the church. So why do we have pastors? These are the questions on the bottom of your, your bulletin. Why do we have pastors? Some of us don't need them. I mean, I've met a whole lot of people who don't need them. They don't consult them. They don't do any. They don't, they just act like pastors are just another, you're just the host of the church there. We don't actually interact. We don't actually have dialogue. We don't actually, there's nothing outside of Sunday morning church that goes on. You just learn to live with that when you're the pastor (laughs) because you can't make anybody do anything. See, we end up doing a whole lot of suggesting. And sometimes we have to kind of Squeeze our way in. We have to force our way because somebody didn't see it, but we can see something's going on and, and we ought to say something. We just feel compelled, even if we're not asked. And where do pastors come from? I come from the pool business. That's where I come from. Born in Denver, Colorado. Spent time in Michigan, six years. Moved to Florida. Went to New York. Back to Florida. Up here. Where do I come from? Pastors come from all kinds of walks of life. Some of them are groomed and grown right within family structures. Some of them, like me, mama would have desired for me to be a priest. (laughs) It just wasn't going to happen that way. I'd ruined that early on in life. But I am a priest according to the order of Paul. I'm a priest to the Gentiles. Huh? Where do we come from? In what way do you benefit from having a Pastor. I want you to really seriously answer these questions over the course of the week. How do you benefit from having a pastor? And if you don't have a pastor, and if you don't understand what a pastor does and what they are, you might not even realize what you're missing. I'm not speaking about me. I'm speaking about pastors. Because I am one. And how could you benefit more from having a pastor? What might they have done and the difference they might have made if we would have handled things differently. So the dictionary says a pastor is a shepherd. Actually, the same word. It's shepherd and pastor are really interchangeable. Same word. It says that a pastor is one, a person who herds, tends, and guards sheep, a person who protects, guides, or watches over a person or a group of people, a member of the clergy, the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, to watch over carefully. And here's, I like these synonyms. Protector, guardian, defender, keeper. Did you know that's what I am? That's what, if, if, if you feel like you belong to new life and this is where you're supposed to be, God wants me to be your defender. Now you might look at my puny old self and think you. But guess what? I have an anointing that makes me a giant slayer. Do you realize that? That's what it is. I don't have have a fear factor to me. Do you know why? Because I'm his and I can't lose because God's for me. And if I'm going to be obedient to him, then folks, we're going to be able to conquer. See, so I'm not cocky with that. I'm just confident about that. Here's what the Bible dictionary says. The duties of a shepherd in an enclosed, unenclosed country like Palestine, were very onerous. In early morning, he led forth the flock from the fold, marching at its head to the, well, to the spot where they were to be pastured. Here he watched them all day, taking care that none of the sheep strayed. And if for, for a time eluded... I'm sorry, let me get my screen set. And if for a time eluded his watch and wandered away from the rest, seeking diligently till he found and brought it back. In those lands, sheep require to be supplied regularly with water. And the shepherd for this purpose has to guide them either to some running stream or to wells dug in the wilderness and furnished with troughs. At night, he brought the flock home to the fold, counting them as they passed under the rod at the door to assure himself that none were missing. Nor did his labors always end with sunset. Often he had to guard the fold through the dark hours from the attack of wild beasts or the wily attempts of the prowling thief. So that it actually sets it up. Here's how John 10, 22 to 29 says it. It says that at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So what happens is a a pastor then, a shepherd, stands underneath Christ in the same position as defender, in the same position as one who rescues. Some of you, we actually prayed for you to receive the Lord. I didn't save you, Jesus saved you. I was just an instrument to preach the gospel to, to lead you to pray a prayer, to invite Jesus into your heart. And that's what you did. I didn't save you. He did. But he used a servant who is preaching the good news that you can be set free from that old life. See? I don't, I don't keep them. I don't, I don't put a notch in my belt. I don't write them in a Bible. I, I can't tell you how many people I've actually prayed with to accept Christ. But I know this. I know that that's part of my mission is that I'm always preaching Jesus Christ. I'm always telling you he's the only way. He's the truth and he's the life because that's what his word says. So I'm the under shepherd. My sheep, they hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The church in America today, we've got so many factions and we've got so much going on with bickering and fighting and division. People wonder why we don't see miracles and signs and wonders. And I'm gonna tell you, it's because the shepherd has fallen from the place of grace and prestige and where the shepherd ought to be because they're called by God. They're not infallible. But it doesn't mean that we bring them down somehow to be that all of a sudden. I'm going to tell you there's a passage here that talks about what goats do. When you put sheeps and goat together, you know what goats do? They trample down the ground. They eat lower than, than what the sheep eat. And what happens is they destroy everywhere they've gone. And Jesus says that there comes a day where he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. There are people who think they're sheep, but they're actually goats. And the way you can tell is because how they boss around and how they trample and how they push and shove. And they're, they're obnoxious when they get around sheep. And the church is sometimes full of obnoxious people. And this is talking about the whole country or the whole world. I'd like to think that you're all better than that. Matter of fact, I know Mostly we are. Here's what I know. I know that the shepherd is called and appointed by God. I'm going to give you those truths. I, I'd like to post them. I, I had I wanted you to have this that you'd take away today, but that's okay. It says this of a shepherd. He told them this parable saying, this is Luke 15, verses 3 through 7, if you're taking notes. Luke 15, 3 through 7. He told them this parable, Jesus What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Folks, it's not like the shepherd abandons those, those 99. The truth is, is if they should perish, they're safe. They're going to heaven. See, he's talking about the, the illustration is, is the one who doesn't know Jesus. And sometimes the church will begin that if we don't actually come into this maturity that God wants you to be under a good shepherd, what happens is we actually detract from the rest because we're the ones always having to be rescued. See, we're going astray and what are you doing astray? You're not lost. You know the truth. So it's like behave. And how do you behave? Because you know the shepherd's voice and you follow. Did you know that the the goat and sheep, they go out and, and shepherds end up having the responsibility over both of them? And do you know what happens? He leads the sheep, but he drives the goat. Did you know he drives the goat? He leads the sheep because they follow him. But the goat, oh, it's got that little attitude, see? And the goat doesn't want to, it wants to buck the system. It wants to do its own thing. I mean, you kind of know that. Most people know the, the, that nature of the animal is that it's, it's, wanting to, it's, it's a little disruptive thing. Now, it yields a whole bunch of milk. I mean, that's one reason you'd want a goat, see what I mean? Uh, Did you know the goat hair was part of the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle? Why? Because it's it's excellent leather in the end. So there's a purpose for it. It also became what's called the scapegoat. That's where the sins were cast. And then that that goat was sent outside of the gate carrying the sins of the people. But the sheep, innocent little things they are. So it says, Jeremiah, I want to read these eight verses for you. And I want to give you a related passage. It's in Ezekiel 34. And I remember when I first got into pastoral ministry, I had some well-intentioned people who wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be this evil, wicked, bad shepherd like they've run into in so many different churches. And at first I thought, yeah, you know, that's not me. Yeah, there's some real bad pastors out there. Now I'm a defender of pastors because I am one and because I've actually walked in those shoes for a while and I understand how hard it is to try to get people to do what they sometimes don't want to do and to try to give up the habits that are killing them. And we see things from the perspective of God's heart that some people never see in their own lives. And that's why they continue on. And then you become the bad guy. So that's okay. Not everybody's called to it, but I am. And most shepherds are. And the way they deal with it, they probably could learn some things, but that's the school of hard knocks, isn't it? Anybody ever been to that school? Yeah, graduated. I went back. I I repeated several levels. Here's what Jeremiah 23 says. If you want to turn there, it's back in the Old Testament. It's Isaiah and Jeremiah. You can generally find it around all the prophetic books are kind of nestled there after Psalms and Proverbs. It said, what sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, For they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land, and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. In that day, says the Lord, when people are taking an oath, they will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives who rescued the people from Israel, from Israel of Israel from the land of Egypt. Instead, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and from all the countries to which he had exiled them, then they will live in their own land. See, instead of something that... This is what happened. It used to be. This is what has actually happened now is we live on the other side of it. We don't talk about what happened then. We actually talk about something we've experienced ourselves because that's a promise that God says. He will appoint shepherds after his own heart. I think that's on your bulletin cover. Jeremiah chapter three, is that right? Who will appoint He'll appoint shepherds after his own heart. And I can tell you that I've been under some of those kinds of shepherds you might've been under. And they were visionaries and they were apoloptic. Uh, they were apostolic. They, were, they, were, they had all kinds of other gifts, but I'm not sure about the gift of pastor, but they were. And the right thing to do is to honor them in their, in their position, to honor them because then it goes well with us. And so you submit to that authority because you recognize that our authority is appointed by God. Don't like it, but he has a reason for it and he also has a season for it. I want to encourage you, Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 34 is that companion to that passage I just read. He says this, In I'm going to read a little excerpt. He says that after all that rebuke to the pastors and shepherds, see, who were feeding themselves instead of feeding the sheep, he says, I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. And as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says to his people. See, people who say, "Shepherd, you better get this because God ain't going to be happy with you. Oh, yeah? Well, and as for you, verse 17, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough for you to keep the best of the pastures for yourselves? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must my flock eat what you have trampled down and drink water you have fouled? Who's he talking to again? He's talking to the goats. He's talking to the, to the sheep. Some of those who've been hiding out looking like sheep or acting like sheep, but they're not really sheep. He's saying they're really goats. See, that's in churches in America, all over the place. People are pushy, obnoxious, forcing their will on you, their opinion on you. Verse 20 says, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock, and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And he goes on down to the end. You are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord have spoken many times people establish a buffer zone around them instead of being ruthlessly honest that's what i experience as a pastor that buffer zone is this little place you can call it a comfort zone which means i don't mind you knowing certain things but there's other things you're not welcome to you can go only so far so that's a buffer zone and what happens is we learn to do that because we don't know who we can trust because we've trusted other people and we've been let down. And let me tell you, the further you continue in that distrust or mistrust, what happens is you're actually empowering your past to dictate your, your present and your future. And so that's why forgiveness is so important because it, you're going to be set free in the process. As hard as it is, you're the one who's actually bound up with unforgiveness. So what happens is instead of being that which you're going to hear me say now shortly. Instead of allowing that to happen, we actually put an arm out and say, no, no, that's, that's, uh, that's as close as you get. Anybody there? I call it the Humpty Dumpty syndrome. See, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. A lot of people wait till they get to that place of brokenness in their lives where there's a there's very little hope. There's very little chance. And they say, I'm broke, you fix me. I'd rather you be like Mr. Potato Head. You come to me and you say, I've got all the pieces. Will you help me keep it together? Because that's what I believe God's done. He's given you the pieces giving you his word, he's giving you his heart. He might've even given you a shepherd after his own heart. And the best benefit you could get is when you actually receive what he has given. So here it is. A pastor is, ready for this? You won't be able to write, so don't even worry about it. I'll just make my notes available to you. A pastor is a trusted friend, an anointed counselor. Counsel, by the way, means the word of God rightly applied. Not hearing what you want to hear. A source of wisdom, a guardian of your soul. Hebrews thirteen seventeen, you know what that says? It says, obey your leaders in the Lord. Because they give an account and they watch over your souls. Make it a delight for them. Wow. Called, chosen, and appointed by God. A shepherd is a reflection of Jesus. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. A representative of the God it says that Jesus was in the world reconciling the world to God and now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's a representative of God. I'm an ambassador for Christ is what the Bible says. I'm selfless. Supposed to be. A shepherd is. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. and the life I now live, Galatians 2.20, I live for him who gave himself for me. A pastor is a partner in the ministry of God's presence. Because if you need me and you call me at 2 o'clock in the morning, 24-7, 365, I promise you I'll be there. I'll show up for your pregnancy, delivery. I'll show up for a tonsillectomy, an appendectomy a broken limb or leg, a fever, a hip that's out of joint. I'll go for your friend. I'll go for a brother. I'll go for a family member. But you got to call me because otherwise I wouldn't know. A mirror for people. Some of you know this really well about me because I can't really hide it. Your attitude affects me. You come in with joy, I reflect joy. When you come to me with anguish or you come to me with accusation or you come with me with threat, guess what I reflect? I still got that Irish in me. It's a poor excuse. It's also called flesh. So what happens is if we deal gently and kindly with one another, it actually helps me to be a better person. And I still have to get a hold of that little flaming side of me. I'm a sponge. I absorb the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what a pastor does. When you hurt, I hurt. It doesn't go away because you went away. I'm not like Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. When you go away, you're still family. And my heart is still with you. And I carry a burden for you. And I try to give that up to God and say, here it is. It's yours. You didn't call me to carry this forever. I'm just bringing it to you at the end of the day. So here, take it, Papa. I'm a protector, a defender. Amos 3.12 is a Bible passage. It says that, you know, when he found that a lion had a sheep in its mouth, he literally went over and pried the lion's mouth to get, try to get the sheep out of it. We're supposed to be fearless that way. It says he carries the sheep. Luke 15 there described the lost sheep that he'll put over his shoulders. I'll carry you. He searches for the lost. Boy, there's some things I didn't want to, to read. I, I didn't have time to, to preach out of Ezekiel 34. But I also, I sat there reflecting and I thought, boy, God, sometimes I don't think I'm a very good shepherd. I don't think I, I, don't think I do this so well. I, I'm only, I've only seen a couple of shepherds that actually seem to like do this. So I don't know if shepherds are getting this, God. And I had to sit there thinking, do I even want to preach about this? Because I might not be the best illustration or best example of one. So I'm trying to speak in the third person about shepherds and pastors instead of about me. Because I'm not impressed with myself. I don't think I've arrived. But I know this, I'm committed. I'm committed to be that guy that God wants me to be. But I need your help. A pastor should be, how about these? See if you agree. If you disagree, keep it to yourself. No. A pastor should be loving, humble, courageous, bold, sensitive, wise, understanding, patient, available, prophetic, kind, assertive, diligent, faithful. A pastor should not tickle your ears, look the other way, hold grudges, act like we don't care, let you create or build your own image of God, put him in a box, or let you live like a harlot. A pastor should not. This, by the way, you'll never find in a book. This is my heart poured out this morning. We sheep, we must follow. We're created to follow, to follow ultimately him, but to follow the shepherd that he's appointed. The shepherd leads sheep, he drives goats. He kills lions, wolves, and bears, beats down thieves, rescues people from the pit. He weeps, the shepherd weeps not over cities, but the lost, indifferent people in them. He intercedes for marriages, children, jobs, careers. He cheers for us, coaches us, encourages us, and identifies with us. He is with all his imperfections and eclectic idiosyncrasies, flaws, and sometimes just weirdness. The pastor is God's man who God is still working on to grow his kingdom and to spruce up his bride. You are the pastor's fruit for God's glory. A pastor is not the waiter, nor the cook, and he doesn't own the joint. The customer is not always right, and the pastor is not the adversary, the enemy, or a control freak. The pastor's prayer is that God will lead him and the sheep will follow him. And in the end, what we do is the only thing I've ever learned to do. I think Jay said at one time about me. He said, you use the uh, pulpit give, gives you this advantage in that <coughs> you get to come clean and you deal with your sins publicly and you deal with your weaknesses and that's a saving grace for you. And I said, you're absolutely right. What we're trying to get a hold of in New Life Fellowship is that we might actually get the heart of God that will we'll operate with the mind of Christ and that will have the full power of the Holy Spirit. And if we can do that because we come together in this unity with one heart, with one mind, if we'll do it and we actually see community happen among us instead of showing up every now and then, that we actually, we desire to be with each other because there's a, dunamis power when we come this way. I want to tell you, I didn't pull all the books. I've got three books. This one says, They Call Me Pastor, How to Love the Ones You Lead. Another book that I've got is, is called the, uh, the Heart of a Great Pastor. And it's written by, uh, we saw the guy, he was uh, Lyndon, uh, H.B. London. And H.B. London, I read those books because I'm challenged by the fact that when I got saved, I thought I was going to be an evangelist. See, I thought I was going to be one who just goes out and like a gunslinger shows up in town and shoots up the town and then leaves and let the pastor take care of it. See, I'll just get people saved and then I get to move on. And then I went to Mexico and then I went to Nepal. And while I was there, I felt like I was a missionary because I preached the gospel. And like, I don't know how many people in this one hut where they all accepted Jesus. And, And it was packed and people were so hungry. That that it was it was just it was they were all in this room that that was so small and yet outside the windows as far as I could see and they all had their hands up and they all crying because they were were coming to Jesus that day and I thought wow God I want to sell everything and I'll move to Nepal I'll take my family and I'll, I'll 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 proclaim to these hungry people these hungry hearts and see them saved and a wise elder at church said. You put that on a shelf. (laughs) That's what happens when you go over there. And he says, that may be what you're supposed to do. And it may not be. But he said, if that's, if that's God, he's not going to let it die in you. So you know what he was doing? He was cultivating what's called a, uh, I've got a shepherd's heart and a father's heart. And the father's heart is for the world. And it was only because somebody was kind enough to, to express that to me in a prophetic word. That they saw that in me, that I had the father's heart but I didn't have the shepherd's heart. You know what I learned at Bible school? That I wasn't called to be an evangelist only, that I wasn't called to be a missionary only, but that I was called to be a pastor. And the pastor would be one who has the father's heart and one who has a shepherd's heart. And he sees the big picture and the need for the whole world to come to salvation. But he also sees the local flock that God would assemble and bring from all walks of life who they all need rescued and they all need saved and they all need defended and they all need encouraged and they all need cheered. And he's still doing that in this shepherd. And I can tell you, he's still doing it in every shepherd. And so here's what I would like for you to do at the end of the day. I'd like you to pray for pastors everywhere. I don't, I've don't. i lost track of the number. There's something ridiculous like 800 pastors a, a, a month who, who quit ministry. I don't even know that there's that many churches. I don't know where we get the number, but I just know because they cycle out. And there's so many who are ready to give it up. I said when I first came here, it's Solomon's prayer in Chronicles. He says, God says, what do you want, Solomon? And he said, Give me wisdom, God, that I might know how to go in, go out, come in before this great people of yours. And God says, well, because you didn't ask for a long life and you didn't ask for money, I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you money and I'm going to give you a long life. I want you to pray for pastors. I want you to pray for me. I want you to to exercise more grace toward failures and things that I'm inadequate to because. What's impossible with man is possible with God. And he's called me to a task that I'm not overwhelmed by at all. I'm not daunted by. I'm humbled that he's called me to try to lead you to his greatness. I just want to encourage you with wherever you're at. If you you have pastors, you might have to do some ministry of reconciliation. You might have to apologize. You might have to. It doesn't mean that what they did wasn't wrong. It just means that you're not going to live captive to that anymore. And that's what I want you to do. And now I want you to, 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 to join with me. I want you to, to learn my, my heart. Most, some of you know it, most of you do. Some of you don't. Some of you have held me at, at bay. Let me in, let me help you. I, I don't have all the answers. I'm not, the, I'm not the, the redeemer, I'm just his representative. But I can tell you is that we'll, we'll become part of this community that God has, that He wants to to do miracles and signs and wonders through. Aren't you ready to pull out all the stops that we might actually apprehend Him who wants to be apprehended? So let's pray. We sing a song that says, "I have." Uh, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. How's that go? You are my shepherd. I have no needs. You know what? Because he knows everything that we need. So Father, I pray that, that this message, which you've stirred for me, you know how you've challenged me, that I'm humbled, God, because uh, I know your grace is so good that I don't always get it right. And, and I don't chase after the sheep sometimes. And, and you know, there's things that I could do better. But God, I also know that sometimes, you know, it, it's, t- it's so difficult. Will you help God to draw us to, to have one heart? that the body of Christ might come together, that we'll experience your wholeness, God, so that we might experience your holiness. I pray for us, God, that you're going to lead and guide. I pray for for the ministry of reconciliation between shepherds and sheep all across this land. And I pray, God, that they might actually know the privilege that I have, the joy of walking with people and seeing victories. God, that... uh, your church will rise up and that the greatest days are still ahead of us. And God, that we might know your victory, that we'll walk in it and our testimony will be stronger. But God, it'll be, it'll be irrefutable that you are in our midst. And I bless every person here, God. I ask your blessing upon my life and ministry, God. And I ask you to bear more fruit, abundant, lasting fruit out of each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you. I I trust that I'm going to post these things, the things just the specifics about a pastor. And I'd love for you, if you're going to stay for the meal today, I want to give you a three by five card. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put down some fond memory or a trait or something about a pastor that you've had in your past, not me, a pastor that you've had in your past. If you've never had one, then you'll have to put me, I guess. But uh, the idea is, I, I don't want to hear good things about me. I want to hear good things about pastors. And I want to hear good things about people that have spoken into your lives and where you've been affiliated and where you've been. There was something dynamic because when, when I read those things, what it does is it helps to challenge me that I might become some of those things, that I become all things to all people, that I might win some. Amen? Amen. So let's stand and we'll pray a final blessing and be out of here. I hope you've learned something about the role of a shepherd and the purpose of a pastor. And I hope you've heard my heart in that. And if anybody disagrees or you're disgruntled or you want to contend with me, bring it. Amen. Bring it in love. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah, let's do that. I am your sheep, God. You said you want to be my, my shepherd, that you would lead me. So, God, that's exactly what we all want. That's what we, we really need is we need the shepherd, God. And so thank you that you in are ultimately, you're, you're, the buck stops with you. So I thank you for that. I thank you for calling me. I thank you for appointing me. I thank you for the shepherd's heart which you put among the people here. That in the end, if we're a parent, we have a shepherd's heart. God, I thank you that you put among men, you've put a father's heart. I thank you that God... Uh, you have taught us that there's a shepherding that we do. There's a concern that we have. We do weep and we, we do rejoice and we do celebrate. We are humbled by this thing called life. And we thank you for the opportunity we have today to come and celebrate pastors. And so God, I would yield those things to be able to say to, to, to uh, my friends who are pastors, to, to my, my friends who have given up ministries, to those who've walked away to those who have literally just thrown in their hands and, and they don't even want to go to church anymore. And God, that they might come back, that you'll call them back, that they'll be the prodigal, that God, they preached about themselves, that they'll find themselves right in the midst of that kind of grace. And I pray, God, that you're going to knit our hearts together here at New Life Fellowship. And God, that you're going to bless every person. And I pray for those visiting today, God, if this is where they're called to be, then they'll be here. And, God, that if they're to go back, that they go back with a, a, a new, uh, a fresh perspective of their pastor, of their shepherd. And, God, I pray that you're, uh, you're doing the work in our lives, that you're continuing that work that you began according to your word in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Pastor Joel Trailer at New Life Fellowship in Shadyside, Ohio. This message is titled, Scattered, Smothered, Covered, or Chunked. To learn more about New Life Fellowship and our service times, visit our website at www.timefornewlife.com.